Welcome to Catching Curveballs. Join Dr. Muji, a psychology professor at the University in Ohio, and her daughter, Iyabode, a research scientist in California, on a journey of how to make the most of what life throws your way. We hope to make today's podcast as informative and lighthearted as possible. So sit back and join us on this adventure. Before we get started, if you have your own comments or questions, remember to send them to catchingcurveballs at gmail.com or DM us at Catching Curveballs Podcast on Instagram. And if you like what you hear, remember to rate, review, and tell your friends, family, and coworkers to listen. The good news is that this will never be one of those podcasts where you're embarrassed to share it or even admit that you listen to it. All right, mom. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you too, my daughter, and Happy New Year to all of our listeners. Whenever I meet or I'm interacting with someone throughout the month of January for the first time, I typically say that greeting, Happy New Year. And it's so exciting to be starting afresh. So I am in high spirits and ready to make much more lemonade with the lemons I have. I believe that my dream for a much better year, 2021, as compared with year 2020, will become reality. I hope so too, mom. I realized last year was only a few days ago, but for some reason, the new year effect makes it feel as if it's not the case. While you're planning your greetings for this month, I'm just setting the simple goal of keeping the year straight when I write it down. Also, dear listeners, January is the birthday month for one of the Catching Curveballs duo. Let's do a quick quiz to see how well you know us now. The birthday celebrant is the oldest of six children. She loves swimming, inspirational quotes, and positive psychology. Any guesses? Send them our way. There's no prize, but it'll be entertainment value. Okay, let's move on to our topic. Today, we're exploring mindfulness. I'm so excited to see what we get into today, mom, because I have to admit that when I hear mindfulness, I immediately think of meditation, but I know we aren't a meditation podcast. Please help us with a better definition of mindfulness. What is it? There isn't an agreement among psychologists as to the meaning of this concept. To give some background information, mindfulness is a 2,500-year-old Buddhist meditation practice. According to Buddhist thought, individuals have a tendency to ruminate about the past and or rush towards the quote-unquote ungraspable future, which never materializes. It is always the present. Buddhism asserts that this behavioral tendency of quote-unquote, not being fully present can distort an individual's perception of reality and lessen their ability to consciously participate in the present moment, according to the Dalai Lama. As I alluded to earlier, in terms of Western psychology's understanding of mindfulness, there is currently a lack of consensus as to exactly what defines the mindfulness construct. However, it is generally accepted by psychologists that mindfulness is fundamentally concerned with becoming more aware of the present moment. Also, that it can and should be practiced during everyday activities and not just when seated in meditation. 
It is more easily done by using a quote-unquote meditative anchor, such as observing the breath, and that it should not involve any forced breathing. That is, where the breath is used as a meditative anchor, it should be allowed to follow its natural course. Mindfulness is also a practice that requires deliberate effort and sustained meditative concentration. It is concerned with observing both sensory and cognitive affective processes and is generally easier to learn if individuals are taught using guided mindfulness meditations. In my review of the literature about this concept, I personally favor the definition used in Shonin and collaborators study because it seems to be encompassing of most, if not all, I've just shared. Here is their definition. Quote, mindfulness is the process of engaging a full, direct, and active awareness of experience phenomenon that is spiritual in aspect and that is maintained from one moment to the next. End of quote. It really seems as if there's quite a lot of overlap between mindfulness and meditation. At the heart of it, mindfulness refers to being fully aware of the present moment. And according to mindful.org, yes, listeners, there's a website devoted entirely to this. But according to mindful.org, this consists of being aware of where we are and what we're doing. Which sounds very simple, but it's not at all the case because just think about the many moments of your day in which you aren't actually paying attention to what you're doing or what's happening in your immediate surrounding. Actually, listeners, truly think about this. How often do you drive or commute to work without actually thinking about what you're doing and what's happening around you? Think of the many times you'll end up at a particular destination and think, huh, I'm here, but seriously don't recall anything I saw or did. I bet you're able to remember so many of these moments, potentially to varying degrees. Sometimes you'll think of a few standout moments, other times the day just passes by in a blur and is done. To that effect, has anyone ever asked you how your day was or what you did that day and you just stare back blankly or find yourself at a loss for words because the moments of the day flew by? What I'm trying to get at is that although mindfulness or being more mindful might seem like such a basic concept, you'd more than likely be surprised at how often we don't actually put it to practice. In a Psychology Today article, mindfulness is described as having two key ingredients, awareness and acceptance. Awareness being the knowledge and ability to focus attention on our inner processes and experiences, for example, the experience of the present moment. Acceptance then being the ability to observe and accept rather than judge or avoid those streams of thought. Which for anyone who's ever meditated before, especially if you've used guided meditation, many instructors will highlight the importance of both elements. Being cognizant of yourself, your body, your surroundings, as well as letting your thoughts be and accepting those moments in which your mind wanders. Speaking of which, I'm already cringing because I really know the value of mindfulness and especially meditation, but for some reason, I can't seem to maintain a continued meditation schedule. It's almost as if the stars have to perfectly align for me to think, huh, let me take a few minutes to meditate. But I will say I find it easier to incorporate mindfulness practices into other activities. 
Mom, can you talk us through the benefits mindfulness has on our well-being? Mindfulness is a powerful psychological tool. Broadly speaking, being mindful contributes to our mental health, life satisfaction, and overall well-being. It can help us better connect with who we are, understand our values and priorities, and improve our relationship with ourselves and with others. There are various types of mindfulness interventions related to the field of mental health. Let me talk a bit about one of these interventions. In the Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction, MBSR, the mindfulness elements include meditation, body scanning, and mindfulness yoga. I want our listeners to note that the goal of MBSR is to complement and not substitute or use instead of regular or usual medical treatments. The benefits of mindfulness goes beyond stress reduction, however. They also include reduction of harmful rumination or reflection, protection against depression and anxiety, and it helps us better cope with rejection and social isolation. Also, leaders in a wide array of organizations are more open to the idea of incorporating mindfulness as a practice that can increase job performance and employee job satisfaction. In the last two decades, interest has significantly grown among psychologists as to the application of mindfulness in various settings. Earlier on, I mentioned how there seems to be so much overlap between meditation and mindfulness. And actually, I started this episode by explaining how when I hear mindfulness, I automatically think of meditating. But how closely related are mindfulness and meditation? If we're thinking of it as a family tree, are they identical twins? Or is one the parent or grandparent of the other? Although some people use both terms interchangeably, they are not the same. However, mindfulness is one form of meditation. Using your analogy, I would think that meditation is the parent of mindfulness. Meditation uses several practices. For example, sitting still for specified amounts of time that could range from a few minutes to 30 minutes or more to silence the mind or to attain a higher level of consciousness or awareness. And one of these practices is mindfulness. Mindfulness can be nurtured inside or outside meditation proper. One can practice mindfulness while walking in the park, eating food, hand washing clothes, sweeping the floor and other such activities. One can engage in mindful breathing or mindful listening. And in combining both, that is mindfulness meditation, this will involve paying attention to your breath as it goes in and out and noticing when the mind wanders from this task and you keep returning to your breath. And this will strengthen attention and mindfulness. This is such an important aspect to keep in mind. I don't think I'm alone in naturally thinking of transcendental meditation when I hear the word mindfulness. 
But truly, mindfulness can be incorporated in such a wide variety of activities, which is reassuring to hear because of the multitude of potential benefits that being more mindful offers. You don't necessarily have to sit cross-legged and repeat mantras for 30 minutes. You can go for a walk or even incorporate it as you eat dinner. Of course, if you'd like to sit and repeat mantras for 30 minutes, that also has a lot of value. Just keep in mind that one exercise type isn't the only useful approach. Mom, to take this a step further, can you share research findings around mindfulness and its relationship with mental health outcomes? Yes, I can, my daughter. A 2019 study examined the influence of mindfulness and social support on stress reactivity, that is, the intensity of individuals' perceived responses to different potentially stressful situations in everyday life among low-income women during pregnancy. Results showed that women with greater mindfulness, that is, higher attentiveness and awareness of the present moment, and greater perceived social support, for example, emotional, tangible, affectionate support, and positive social interaction, had significantly lower perceived stress reactivity. In another 2019 study, the researchers investigated the role that dispositional mindfulness played in the distress, depression, sleep problems, and other variables that contributed to health-related quality of life of Parkinson's disease patients and their caregivers. Dispositional mindfulness refers to innate present moment, non-judgmental awareness. Their results showed that dispositional mindfulness reduced distress, depression, and the other problems of the patients and caregivers. It was also a protective factor against psychological and social problems of both patients and their caregivers. In a 2018 study, the researchers explored the influence of mindfulness on decision-making and psychological flexibility among air flight personnel. Psychological flexibility is the ability to contact the present moment more fully as a conscious human being and to change or persist in behavior when doing so serves valued ends. And psychological flexibility can seriously improve decision-making and force air flight personnel to quote-unquote think outside the box. The researchers found that mindfulness has a significant positive association with decision-making and significant negative association with psychological flexibility. Their findings indicate that mindfulness training for air flight personnel might be a feasible element for this high-performance population. Mindful decision makers are more likely to learn to make better decisions as they are more open to feedback and less prone to misapprehend the situation. Those are three powerful studies. First, we have an assessment of the relationship between mindfulness and social support on the ability of women who are arguably in an incredibly stressful situation. Actually, it's probably tough to think of another group that could be even more stressed since these were low-income women who were pregnant. 
The findings in this group suggest that mindfulness is so influential that the more mindful participants were, the lower their stress reactivity. Stress reactivity being a person's reaction to a stressful situation or quote-unquote threat. Of course, social support also played a role in this group as well. The second study was then the batch of patients with Parkinson's disease and their caregivers. Here we have another group navigating such a difficult circumstance, and yet we see a relationship between being more mindful, in this case displaying dispositional mindfulness, and a decrease in distress and depression, to the point in which mindfulness served as a protective factor for various psychological and social issues for patients, as well as their caregivers. Third, we see a similar positive association between mindfulness and problem solving. And if this can apply at 30-something thousand feet in the air, imagine what it would do at ground level. I'm just kidding about that part. I don't actually believe altitude made a difference, but who knows? Overall, the takeaway message seems to be that mindfulness doesn't just favorably impact life satisfaction and general well-being. There's actual data to suggest it can significantly influence our response to stressors, our feelings of distress and depression, and even our ability to creatively solve problems. On the flip side, mom, I know there are some research findings linking mindfulness with some not-so-great phenomena. Can you share an example of this? In general, any phenomenon will have both pros and cons, and mindfulness is not an exception. For instance, Recent psychological research has linked mindfulness to adults' false memory formation. A 2018 study investigated the effects of mindfulness on adolescents' event memory or memories of events and suggestibility or gullibility. The researchers' findings suggest that adolescents who are exposed to mindfulness exercises may be susceptible to memory intrusions or invasions. These researchers therefore recommend that professionals should be especially careful to avoid using suggestive and leading questions during investigative interviews with mindful adolescents. I'm struggling to process the results of this study because to a degree, I can see how certain exercises might result in the formation of false memories, but then I can't help but question it. Because when I think of being more aware or attentive to yourself and your environment and taking those moments to digest everything, I naturally would expect this to improve the accuracy of your memory. Maybe it would do so for working or short-term memory and not long-term. I'm not sure, but I have so many more questions with this potential connection between mindfulness and false memory formation. I think it'll be my homework for this episode to read up on it. Despite this, I'm going to make the argument that the pros for mindfulness far outweigh the cons. How then can we increase how mindful we are? Mindfulness helps bring one to the present moment. From the time one wakes up, one can begin the day by focusing on one's breathing and how one's body progressively becomes invigorated. Also look for opportunities to include periods of meditation during the day paying attention to and appreciating any experience you are having. For example, even with something as simple as drinking water or coffee, do so mindfully. As you reach for your glass or bottle or mug, appreciate your movements in doing so. Take a moment to reflect upon the temperature of the water, the taste, how you feel. 
Even a few sips can offer ample time to practice being more mindful. A 2015 article titled Mindfulness in Psychology, a Breath of Fresh Air also provides an example. Let's all test run it together. Ready? Breathe in. Be fully aware as you breathe in. Breathe out. Be fully aware as you breathe out. Breathe in. Be aware whether your breath is deep or shallow, short or long. Breathe out. Allow your breath to follow its natural course. Breathe in. Enjoy breathing in. Breathe out. Enjoy breathing out and smile gently to yourself. Breathe in. Be fully aware of each individual moment of your breath. Breathe out. Taste and experience the texture of breath. Breathe in. Be aware of the space and time that exists between your in-breath and out-breath and between your out-breath and in-breath. Breathe out. Relax into this space and time. Breathe in. Be aware of your lungs as they rise and fall. Breathe out. Be aware of your heartbeat. Breathe in. Be fully aware of your body. Breathe out. Allow your body to calm and relax. Breathe in. You are here. Breathe out. You are now. Breathe in. There's nowhere else you need to be. Breathe out. You are already home. Breathe in. Enjoy being alive. Breathe out. Enjoy simply being. I love those. And as I was looking for some strategies to share today, I tried to focus on those which I found really helpful at various time points. There's some overlap to those you've shared, mom, because the focus on breathing tends to really help me, whether as part of meditation, an exercise class, a simple walk, or even at random times during the day. I once again am going to reference my beloved Mayo Clinic guidance for this because I really like the way they've summarized their suggestions. These are all very relatable and easy for even those of us who aren't meditation experts or mindfulness gurus. I'm taking a page out of my mom's book on this one, so let me give you all a quick moment of silence to get ready. Deep breath. Listeners, have you all taken your deep breaths? The first few are very straightforward and can be done at any point in time without a structure or routine per se. Simply put, pay attention. Take the time to experience the environment around you. Engage your senses as you do so. Touch, hear, see, smell, taste. Well, taste as appropriate. Don't get too carried away. But seriously, take advantage of the senses you have to truly appreciate all of what you have around you. If it's your favorite dish, it's okay to hit pause on the conversation you're having with another person or with others and truly process the meal you're having. Next, also very simple, live in the moment. If you're at home, if you're out and about, if you're exploring a new location, take the time to actually live in that moment. Especially with new experiences, I know it can be so tempting to want to capture what you see 
even more so since many phones now have professional quality cameras, but try to intentionally bring an open, accepting, and attentive approach to what you're doing. Another exercise is to accept yourself. This statement has been a common theme in countless Catching Curveballs episodes and will continue to be a staple, so you might as well get used to it. But truly devote the effort to treating yourself with compassion, treating yourself as you would and do to a dear friend. Lastly, as my mom has already emphasized, focus on your breathing. If you're having a tough moment or in a stressful situation, take a moment to focus on your breath as it moves in and out of your body. The next set of tips are more structured. I'll start with my favorite, which is a walking meditation. For this, you can even use a smaller area, even your own home, to do so. Find a quiet space and just start walking. Focus on the experience, the sensations of standing and your body movements as you do so. An alternative that I love doing is just going for a walk outside in a less crowded area. I do so and truly try to let all of what I see, smell, and hear sink in. Another exercise is a body scan meditation. With this approach, you can lie on your back, don't fall asleep, but lie on your back with your legs and arms extended. Focus your attention slowly and deliberately on each part of your body in order from head to toe and then back up your head. You can also do this exercise sitting down. Another option is to focus on your breathing as you sit. Breathing in and out of your nose, focus on your breathing and the physical sensations as you do so. Accept your thoughts as they come and note this as part of the experience, then continue with your breathing. I feel more relaxed after just saying those. How does everyone else feel? All right, mom, let's wrap up and have you share your quote for today. Okay, my daughter, my quote for today is by James Barras. Mindfulness is simply being aware of what is happening right now without wishing it were different. Enjoying the pleasant without holding on when it changes, which it will. Being with the unpleasant without fearing it will always be this way, which it won't. End of quote. Well, that's all for now. Thank you for spending time with us. Yes, we want to hear from you. Give us feedback on what you heard today and suggestions for topics you would like us to discuss in future episodes. You can email us at catchingcurveballs at gmail.com. That's catchingcurveballs, all one word, at gmail.com. Also, remember to follow us on Instagram for much more content at Catching Curveballs Podcast. That's Catching Curveballs Podcast. And as always, remember to rate, review, and tell everyone you know about the podcast. We cannot wait to connect with you soon. 